KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio In Depth. I'm Matt Leon. While everyone obviously has been focusing on COVID-19, the opioid epidemic hasn't gone anywhere. In fact, it's gotten worse with a record number of overdose deaths in 2020. We wanted to talk about the opioid crisis and what we're seeing now. So we caught up with Dr. Priya Banerjee. She is an anatomic and forensic pathologist and medical examiner. Interesting conversation. Give a listen. So let's kind of speak in broad strokes here. And it seems like the opioid epidemic, drug overdoses, it's as bad, if not worse, than it's ever been? I agree. So sadly, as a practicing forensic pathologist, medical examiner, those two terms I'll sort of use interchangeably. And I'm speaking for my colleagues as well. This is a national problem. Sadly, I think it hasn't gone down even with the corona pandemic sort of superimposed on it. You would think people having you know, being more sequestered out there, less, you know, have less access to drugs, but we are not seeing that overall. It's definitely sustaining itself, if not strengthening, like you said. And to that point, you know, I think on one hand, your logic tells you, well, people are stuck at home, less access. But on the other hand, you think, well, people are troubled. They're stuck at home and, you know, problem maybe falling deeper into despair or whatever so when you see and i think you know we set a record in 2020 for overdose deaths when you think about it for a, a little bit you can see the path where that makes sense just because uh life's been pretty overwhelming now for a while i mean that goes without saying you know i think oftentimes we see in the like from a physician standpoint that psychiatric conditions and drug use are often intertwined, um, if not concomitant, you know, and I think the mental health aspect of it, I mean, I'm not a psychiatrist, but just knowing society and, and seeing it out there, I mean, you have to know, this has been the most stressful year, probably in most people's lives, you know, with loss of loved ones, isolation, right, kids facing different stressors. I mean, and the thing I think that's even more troublesome is we don't know, no one expected it. If you look back a year, would we expect to be here? We thought, oh, maybe this will be passing. No one could even predict how isolating it would be. And again, like just being a mother, a normal human in society, we don't know where this is going to end, right? We're still dealing with it. We're now dealing with booster shots. And I think when you think about all that, it's it's completely it's overwhelming to me as a medical professional. Forget about just dealing with life and people have other medical problems. Maybe they're not even getting those treated effectively because of access and limitations. Right. Doctors offices were closed. Um, we are social beings as humans. So social interactions. Right. I mean, there's people that have posted those videos. They haven't seen their the kids haven't seen the grandparents or the kids haven't, you know, the adults haven't seen their own parents for years now, right? It's been one to two years. People haven't connected. That kind of distance is just unfathomable. When we talk about, and I think that it was around 93,000 overdose deaths last year, do we know specifically, are we talking, you know, opioids? Are we talking, and when I say, are we talking like, prescription drugs? Are we talking fentanyl? Are we talking something else? Do we have it? What's 
what's leading the way here in a negative way as far as uh, what the, what's the main problem? I think, I mean, I'm going to be general because I don't have all the statistics breakdown. Like I don't have the, you know, who accumulated the 93,000 or 90 plus thousand that you referenced. And looking at government numbers in 2019, it was 70,000. So just between one year, we see an increase, right? So my professional like snapshot that I've seen is that it's definitely been a huge shift towards opioids, but specifically fentanyl or fentanyl related drugs. Now, the thing is, I'm not talking about prescription fentanyl. Fentanyl originally, when I first started practicing in 2010, there was fentanyl overdoses, but the source at that time was like the prescribed fentanyl. And they were very rare at that time, you know, because the fentanyl is very controlled. It's so strong. Yes, it's used in anesthesia in a very controlled setting for cancer patients, for end-stage pain. I mean, it has good medical uses. So when I first started practicing, I mean, I think it would be a few cases a year. It was so, so rare that it would stand out in our mind. Oh, look, it's a fentanyl overdose. But again, the source would be a medical patch or a lollipop, the, the, the liquid, the kind that's used in medical settings. Now, this is a manufactured drug from chemical precursors. You don't need, like heroin comes from a plant. You need that plant to grow up and the labor that goes into extracting the heroin paste and then processing it. But once you're, once you can mix chemicals, you're no longer out in the open growing plants that can be uh, burned down or poisoned, et cetera, right? Or it's not even dependent on mother nature for growing conditions, right? And you don't need massive fields in the Middle East. This is pure chemicals that can be mixed together in clandestine labs in China. It, it, as far as I know, is the majority of the synthesis, you know, where it's being made and then sent abroad for use. So because it's so much easier to make, if you will, um, from these precursors, and it's so much stronger. So you can dilute it a lot more, you, which is called cutting it with mixing it with white innocuous stuff like cornstarch, talc, whatever, To you can get a lot more doses from the same kilogram being shipped. And so now it's not only easier to make, which obviously makes it cheaper too, but it's stronger. So it's more profitable. So how do we, I feel like the idea that this is a problem is obviously well known. Whereas I think, you know, 10 years ago, the idea of opioid people, it was, I don't want to say in the shadows, but it was kind of looked at a little side-eyed. And mm -hmm. uh, now we obviously, we've known there's a problem, uh, which is the first step, I think, in trying to, to get out of this. But where do we kind of go from here? As we referenced, 2020, we're an exceptional time. So some of the, the data points are, I think, probably a little skewed because of the specific situation we're in but how do we start to to make progress on this to 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 get people off these drugs to to prevent these deaths where would you start i think that's the million dollar question i think there's very vulnerable populations so one population you know there's efforts to lead recovery i think globally let me step back and say i think the stigma needs to be put aside 
I have seen people from every socioeconomic level be affected. There's no more, oh, they're rich, they're not affected, or they're poor, they are. There's none of that. Okay, so this is, at this point, a medical issue. And because of the potency of the drug, you need to just say, I'm going to be saving lives, you know, reach out for help. I think making help more accessible, less stigmatized, and actually fund it. You know, I think that's one of the issues. I can't say, you know, whose insurance covers what, but, you know, the good thing is at least Narcan has been more publicly and acknowledged. Like I've seen it even when I went to the Red Sox baseball game, you know, it's, it's out there. And I think just even that much awareness will is good for emergency situations, right? And prevent, but you want to step back and even prevent getting to the emergency, you know? And so I think any sort of prevention, whether it's mental health, drugs can be a, a form of self-medication for other conditions, as well as recovery, you know, those kind of psychosocial support systems are really what's needed. And reaching out to the people in need, to connecting with them. How much, and we talked about the extraordinary circumstances we're all experiencing now, but how much is so much focus on COVID going Mm -hmm. to take away from funding time personnel that are needed to deal with this? Like, yeah, I'm sure some of that is why we've seen this spike. And in addition to the circumstances, but, uh, you know, this could be something that a ripple effect of COVID is that it extends the problems we're having here. No, I mean, I think funding and manpower is in any industry, in any sector, whether it be medicine, healthcare, factory workers, right? Restaurants are now seeing a shortage of people who can work, you know, because of COVID. So to assume that one important field like medicine, drug rehab, and the resources that go into it, of course, they're going to be affected. I think that's just logical. You know, we have the Department of Health has epidemiologists, they've really hired a lot of people, and that's been to track COVID cases. And if those people who have the skill set are doing that, of course, I'm assuming there's less attention to opioids just because those are the same people that would be involved. And I mean, there's just so many hours in the day, right? Right now, the rapid rise of COVID and the unknown, you know, from a public health perspective, it makes sense that it is the top priority. But I think, sadly, the opioid epidemic has a little bit fallen into the shadows, into the back burner. But we know it's not gone. You know, I just think in the awareness side, we can't let it fall too far behind. If people are hearing this and maybe they have concerns about a loved one that they might be on a wrong path, are there things people should look for that, uh, and if they know somebody has a problem, you know, maybe how they address them to try to get them help? Yeah, I mean, I'm not a rehab specialist, but I think as I'm a mom and a you know member of society, and I've I've interacted with people in my life that have had drug problems. So, you know, I think again, remove the stigma. Approach them saying, "I care about you. This is not about getting you help, not about labeling." Okay, because I think people are always resistant to change, and I don't think the first 
attempt is always going to be fruitful. You know, be supportive. If someone is in your life or, you know, someone has someone in their life that is at risk, get a Narcan prescription. You can just walk into any pharmacy and get it and have it on hand to reverse, you know, any potential overdose to save their lives, right? But in terms of further prevention, you know, that's where it becomes tricky. Um, But really, all the people I've seen who've been very successful, I've talked to in the community that have um, changed their lives uh, from, you know, drug recovery, it's an active process. They see, you know, recovery sort of like AA, uh, you know, a constant daily reminder practice, if you will, mindfulness practice. And then, so that support is so important. You know, if people get into the wrong circles and people around them are using drugs, that's all you're exposed to, right? So to have loved ones that really can support you in a healthy fashion is important. You know, risk factors or things to look for is any change in behavior. We, you know, people around us, we know what they do on a daily basis, what their routine is, what they wear. It can be anything as simple as like, why are they wearing long sleeve shirts in the, in, in hotter weather? You know, that's usually sometimes people cover up needle track marks that way, you know? So if there's change in their sleep patterns, eating patterns, you know, all that kind of stuff. I think the harder age group is maybe teenagers, early twenties, because they can be standoffish from their parents, you know, and they're transitioning into independent lives themselves. But, you know, I think everybody has a a close circle of friends and family that they're tuned into. And I, I know, and if you're not, this is the time to reconnect because we're talking about COVID times, right? People that's instantly distancing people, you know, right? Like if you're not living with them, you're not seeing them every day. And so that may be another reason to try to reconnect via other means to really make sure people are okay and support them. So we've talked about a lot of aspects of all this. Is there anything else that gives you pause that you see as a problem, a concern that we should get the word out about? I do. So I look at the world now, not only as a forensic pathologist, I look at it as a mom. I'm a mom to a seven-year-old daughter, right? She's growing up in these modern times, these unknown times. And soon she's going to be experimenting. I, I I don't think you can stop that. You know, my fear, I think, to everybody who's listening and, and advice is that be very careful. You know, we have modern dispensaries for marijuana. But when we talk about street drugs, even weed, marijuana off the streets, you just don't know what you're getting. You don't want to believe that it's as pure as something from a dispensary, from a controlled environment. And that's the scary stuff that I see, these unexpected overdoses. You know, they go to a party, they think, oh, I'm just doing a little bit of weed or a little bit of cocaine, and there could be fentanyl mixed in without knowing. And oftentimes, yes, you have a relationship with your dealer, but the dealer doesn't even know what's in the mix. So it's really, really a scary time And I think, you know, just the utmost caution, uh, because even one time can be the deadly time. 
That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio In Depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.